Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. All views of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 20th of August. Oh, the, the days just keep marching on, don't they, Pierre? That's right, that's right, Giselle, and I'm one year older uh, this week, so I can certainly know. But Does, that, does that take you through to, to 75 now, is it? Uh, close, close, Giselle, <laughs> and I know, um, and dear listeners, mathematics never been Giselle's uh, forte, but, you know. But ageism definitely is. That's right, but still, you know, my wisdom just overwhelms you, I know that, so, you know, I have to expect this. If you were confused, listeners, you are listening to Asia Pacific Currents. It is a program brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so find us on those social media platforms for news and current affairs from around the Asia-Pacific region. And I'm Pierre Morrow. <laughs> and I'm Giselle Hanna. And what have we got on today? We've got a bit That's of a, right. a, a different That's show. That's right. We're, we're um, diverting from our normal format. Normally, listeners will bring you news from around the region, followed by a feature interview. Today, we've got two feature interviews. Um, of course, for listeners that uh, have been our stalwart supporters since pre-2004, <laughs> that was our old format. We used to have two interviews every show. Um, so, you know, we're... we're throwing back to the good old days. But uh, we'll be speaking first up with Steve Diston. He is the um, the organiser for the Carlton United Breweries dispute. He's from the ETU. And so we're going to be talking about where that dispute's at here in Melbourne, Victoria, but also um, looking at the, the international aspect of that campaign because, as listeners will know, Sab Miller, that owns CUB, is also attacking workers in India. So we're going to look at some of the international aspects of the campaign. And in the second part of the program, we'll be speaking with Nick McClellan, who is a a long-standing Asia-Pacific activist. Um, He's currently working on a documentary about um, Fijian soldiers and sailors that were sent to work in Britain's um, hydrogen bomb tests um, at Christmas Island. So we'll talk about that documentary and also his efforts to raise um, some funds to complete that. All right, that sounds um, great. And uh, dear listeners, um, just remember that if you want more details on our stories, uh, in the you can always go to our website. Uh, we usually um, I put them there. Uh, you can always contact us through our Facebook, and of course we podcast this uh, this program as well. And of course, uh, good morning to all our listeners on the web who may be around anywhere around the world. And of course, um, I'm not too sure if we thank um, the Solidarity Breakfast for another very interesting program. We'll just go to a community announcement and then we'll be back with uh, Steve. 
3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. Five minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. As many listeners are no doubt aware, there is a, a dispute at the Carlton United Breweries um, Brewery in, in Abbotsford in Melbourne, Victoria. That dispute is about um, CUB sacking over 50 workers and expecting them to reapply for their jobs for less than half the pay and basically outsourcing and attempting to smash the union. The company that owns CUB is called Sab Miller and they're doing something very similar in India with mass harassment and intimidation of their union leaders, as well as the company's refusal to respect collective bargaining rights. Of course, being an international union movement, these two disputes are expressing solidarity for one another. And we've got the um, ETU-CUB organiser, Steve Diston, with us on the line. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. How are you going? Very well, thank you. I guess to start with, um, tell us where the dispute is at here in Melbourne. Well, we're about to enter the 11th week of the dispute next week. And um, when we say dispute, it's a pretty strange word to use for it when it's just a blatant outright attack on workers' rights. You know, this isn't just an argument. This is a company that's trying to union bust big time. And um, 11 weeks next week, so it's... Um, we're getting towards the end of winter, which will be nice. <laughs> it's starting to warm up, so it makes picketing a lot easier, that's for sure. And we know that um, there's been some solidarity expressed between um, the dis- between the workers. So I'm not going to call it a dispute. You're right; it is an absolute attack on on the the comrades on the on the workers here. But there has been some solidarity between the workers in Melbourne and India. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, I reckon we. Um got some similarities in what's going on here, you know, a big greedy company who uses its power to try and throw its weight around in, in different communities that completely disrespects the people in the societies in which they want to sell their products, which is probably not a great way to market your product, to be honest. But, yeah, we're, we're feeling what they're feeling over there, you know, just another one of these big, heartless multinationals treating the people in the country in which they're operating in, in total and utter disrespect and contempt. And I feel for them. We know we know what they're going through. Now, in terms of um, now, from what I, I can gather, um, CUB's own um, um, so first, um, Steve. This is Pierre. Just to say hello. Um, uh, it's uh, owned by Sab Miller, and I think they're actually might actually be um, joining into another even bigger company, AB InBev. But these companies like uh, Sab Miller are, are huge, and you've said that you've now been on the picket line um, eleven weeks, uh, basically almost three months. Um, I mean, obviously, the, these companies have got very deep pockets. Um, how do you reckon that in in the end workers should organise around these global companies given that um, it's not just that you're fighting the CUB management there in Abbotsford but you're actually fighting a, a company with huge resources worldwide? 
Well, this is the thing. It get it becomes a little bit bigger than just you know factories here, there, and everywhere. It does become we need some systematic change. You know what what's happening here is fundamentally wrong. It shouldn't be happening. Governments shouldn't be granting international corporations more rights than the citizens who vote those governments in. We, we need some some fundamental changes in our industrial relations system that evens up the balance a bit more. Because when you've got multi-billion dollar companies, you know, as you say, with very deep pockets, I mean, workers are at a clear disadvantage in that equation. And, and our, our governments should be looking after our interests rather than these big multinationals who, who don't have any sort of loyalties with any country. All they have a loyalty to is the dollar, the euro, the pound, or whichever currency they're actually operating in. I think um, you made a very good point uh, there, Steve. And just um, and given that you're the organisers on, on the ground, I mean, you might not know... Uh, much about what is happening, you know, to get links internationally. But given that Seb Miller employs, I think I went to see the site, tens of thousands of, of workers, do you know if the unions here in Australia have made contacts with their counterparts in other countries to maybe get some actions in other countries against Seb Miller? Yeah, yeah, actually we have um, the Unite Union in England. Um, there's an organiser over there by the name of Frank Morris. He's a legend of a bike, if you've never heard of him. Um, they've been organising some stuff over there with Unite Union and also the rank-and-file um, electricians group over there. They donated a £1,000 a couple of weeks ago to, to the dispute, actually, which is usually you'll see statements of international solidarity and sometimes a protest, but to have um, large sums of money donated, that's, I've never seen that before. Um, in, in, a, in an industrial dispute in Victoria. And also we have a, um, a big meeting coming up in the United States. The, uh, all the international electrical unions are coming together and there's about 5,000 um, delegates from those unions coming together and they're going to be meeting in, um, wouldn't you know it, the headquarters of where AB InBev is, which just bought out Saab Miller. So um, I dare say there'll be something happening over there. So, so even a bigger company, and maybe the um, the electricity could go out on some of these um, factories around the world. Well, um, I reckon if you've got 5,000 um, delegates from all around the world in the one place where the headquarters is, I reckon that might be a, a recipe for them to either sit down with us nicely or, or you know, have a, a large group of angry people there. But, but there again, when you point out, you know, the electricity going out, in, in this modern day and age, what might have been seen as, you know, a bit of rat baggery and, you know, having a bit of a crack back in the day. But, you know, you're now looking at being charged with terrorism laws, you know, for things that back in the day would have just been a bit of mischief. Um, the, the, all the laws that have been created in the, over the last 30 years, the whole work is back. It's, it's not just on the industrial relations front. It's on many, many fronts. Surveillance of trade unions, tapping our phones, you know, to, to everything. It's, it's unbelievable. I think you perfectly describing what happens at the pointy end of a capitalist crisis when when the system is absolutely crunching and squeezing us for every every last cent because really it's so unstable and it's and it's shaking but as as scary as frightening as the prospect of being out of work is some of the things you talked about the the delegates meeting in the United States those things are really inspiring and and do give us some hope for for the future and and the ways forward to organise. You also mentioned a little bit about raising money because, of course, these blokes have been out for 11 weeks. If if people wanted to support 
the the strike fund or or whatever we're calling it the the fund to support um, the workers while they're putting up a really strong um, battle against Zab Miller. H- how would they support you financially? Uh, there's a couple of different ways. Um, you can either go down to the ETU office in Arden Street, North Melbourne, and any donations made there, they'll give you a receipt, thank you letter, um, to to your workplace. Um, if it's a workplace um, down on the picket line, down at the front of the brewery, um, we're happy to to take any any cash donations straight down there. And and the, it goes in two forms. Any of the cash donations straight down the line, we we use that on the food and the materials and things that we have down there, the fuel and all the rest of the stuff and the stuff that. Donated in the office, that ends up going into um, strike pay for the boys. Well, not strike pay. (laughs) We're not on strike, we're sacked. (laughs) More like uh, Mm -hmm. anti-starvation money, I suppose you'd call it. Um, I totally un- understand, and uh, we'll certainly um, put those um, those numbers and, and that ability to to pay. Uh, we'll re-advertise it again. Just as a last um, question, Steve, um, given that the workers have been out for eleven weeks, they've been uh, you know there's been a lot of uh, support. Like I was, uh, I went to the Battle of the Bands at Trades Hall. I think it was last week. Um, how do you see the dispute going from there? And, and in your uh, opinion, how much longer do you think it will go? Well, one thing I do know about the dispute, because there's a lot of uncertainty um, when you've got something like this going on, one, of the, one certain thing I do know is the weather is going to improve, which is going to make things um, a little bit easier for us. So I don't know how long it'll go, but we've already got some... Um, We've got the hoodies at the moment at the beanies, the winter range. We've we've already started designing the spring and the summer range. So there's talk about a slippery slide and pools and all sorts of things. This goes into summer. So uh, the the boys are pretty resilient down here, and I, I think you'll find as long as we can stop their families starving, they'll stay out there as long as they need to. All right, that sounds um, um, fa- fantastic, um, Steve, and uh, we wish you all the very best, and we'll certainly keep our listeners abreast how um, your struggle is going. And, of course, uh, we wish you a complete victory. Thank you very much. That was Steve Diston. He is the organiser for CUB, the Carlton United Brewery um, ETU dispute that is co- or the ETU fight that is currently on foot. Um, of course, to support those workers, you can get down to the brewery itself. You can financially support them by donating to the workers on the picket or to the ETU office um, located in Arden Street in North Melbourne. It's fifteen minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio Three CR. This is Irene Bolger, former Secretary of the Nurses Federation in Victoria. Throughout the nurses dispute in 1986 and the waterfront dispute in 1998, 3CR was always there broadcasting the voices of workers in struggle. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio and we're broadcasting live from the Bay to Chicken Strike here in Melbourne. We've just seen all of the thousands of nurses walk through to their meeting and people from different unions showing their solidarity. 3CR. Radio for the workers, by the workers, since 1976. It is 16 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. Nearly 300 Fijian soldiers and sailors were sent back to sent to work on Britain's hydrogen bomb tests at Christmas Island and Malden Island, now part of Kiribati, in the late 1950s. Today, they live with the health effects. 
There's a new initiative by some comrades, some activists, um, to make a documentary called uh, Kirisimasi. It's a documentary film that will tell the story of Fiji's nuclear veterans. Joining us now is one of those activists, Nick McClellan, who many of you will know as one of the founders of Asia Pacific Currents, but also a stalwart Asia Pacific activist. Welcome, Nick. Good morning. How are you? Very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, yeah, I'm working with a colleague, uh, Torika Bolatangivi, to produce a film. Uh, next year, 2017, is the 60th anniversary of Britain's hydrogen bomb test. Uh, people will know that uh, with the support of Prime Minister Robert Menzies at the time, the British conducted nuclear tests in Australia at the Montebello Islands, um, at uh, Maralinga and Emu Field in South Australia. And both the Indigenous people um, of South Australia and also the service men and women, uh, particularly the servicemen who staffed the test sites, were affected by radiation at the time. Um, but Britain went on to conduct a further nine hydrogen bomb tests um, in, as you say, what's today the Republic of Kiribati, but was then the British Gilbert and Ellis Islands colony. And they staffed the test site not only with British service people, but with a number of people from Fiji. And we're working to tell their story. Well, tell, tell me a little bit about the process for getting the documentary. Are many of these workers still alive, still around today, to talk to about the, the events of the 1950s? No, a lot of them have have died over the last decades. Um, uh, this, as I say, is the 60th anniversary of the test, so all these men are now in their 80s. Um, uh, yet there is still an active group, uh, the Fiji Nuclear Veterans Association, that has been campaigning for many years for compensation and recognition from the British government. Um, because this was a peacetime activity, they uh, weren't eligible for the pensions that say, Fijians who went to the British military operations in Malaya or World War II received. And um, I've been involved with the, the Veterans Association for some time campaigning. They're really eager to have their story recorded before they die, frankly, um, now that they're ageing, uh, so that future generations of Fijians can understand what happened during the colonial era. This is a story that largely hasn't been told. They're also very worried about intergenerational effects for their uh, children and grandchildren, because one of the things we know from the US, the British, the French nuclear testing in the Pacific is that there are effects on future generations. Um, a research scientist in New Zealand named Al Rowland has shown that there's been genetic translocations for some of the sailors who went aboard the Naval Task Force that went to the Christmas Island tests. So they want to record this history and they want to share it with uh, future generations to understand the legacies of the nuclear era in the Pacific. Um, hi, Nick. This is um, Pierre. Um, I think you've really hit the nail on the head there about the hidden history. A lot of people would uh, seem to forget that um, there was a huge... Uh, the whole Pacific was actually used as a um, atomic bombing uh, a test site, and um, that history seems to have been forgotten, hasn't it? Very much so. It's, it, it's been really a laboratory. Um, France conducted 193 tests um, at uh, Mororoa and Fungatofa Atoll, both in the atmosphere and underground. And today there's an association of the former workers who staffed the test site called Mororoa Itatou, 
Um, they have over 4,000 members, and these were workers who staffed the test site as labourers, as divers, as customs officers, a whole range of, of uh, uh, jobs uh, to keep the nuclear test site going alongside the military who were deployed there. And today, um, as with the Fijian veterans, they're campaigning for recognition and appropriate compensation for health effects because many of them are suffering from cancer or other diseases that they attribute to their time working on the test sites. Um, so, you know, trade unionists will understand this is a classic industrial health and safety um, policy that, that, that workers have the right to uh, appropriate compensation, that employers, in this case the state, has the responsibility to look after people who are involved in uh, these programs. Look, 100% uh, correct there, Nick. And um, the question to me really is, given that, um, you know, the the, um, the English tests were, you said, you know, up to 60 years ago, the Mururo were uh, more recent um, tests as well. What has been, and given that we know so much about the effects of uh, radiation uh, damage and being exposed to radiation, what is the official line by both the British and the French to these claims for compensation? Well, the British have refused to recognise that anyone was exposed to hazardous levels of, of ionising radiation. Um, more than a decade ago, British, New Zealand and Fijian veterans launched a court case in the British courts and went right the way through to the Court of Appeal with the Ministry of Defence fighting every inch of the way to reject compensation. Um, recently, last year, the Fiji government gave a pension to the survivors um, of the... Christmas Island uh, nuclear tests and to their families uh, of the Fijian soldiers or sailors who died. Um, it's a small amount of compensation, but really vital for these um, men who are, as, as we said, uh, ageing, uh, often in ill health, uh, living in rural villages without much support. And so uh, the gesture by Prime Minister Varengi Bainimarama um, was well accepted. Ironically, his very father, um, Ratuinoki Bainimarama, led the first contingent of sailors uh, aboard a British uh, warship um, at the tests. Uh, yes, uh, history can get uh, very convoluted. And in terms of your effort to raise um, money, um, two questions. Like, First of all, how much money uh, do you need? And secondly, would you consider or see in the future of having some kind of tour of some of the Fijian people to Australia? We're working with um, the Fiji Nuclear Veterans Association to publicise their, their case. Um, many of them are ageing and it's a bit difficult for them to travel, but we're certainly trying to raise awareness about their campaign, which is still ongoing, for recognition by the British government. Um, next year we'll be producing a, the documentary film Kurismasi, and as you say, we're crowdfunding to try and raise some of the, the money together with a team of Fijian filmmakers, uh, cinematographer, sound recordists and so on. In November this year, we'll be uh, in Fiji uh, meeting with a number of the veterans and recording their history, meeting with a range of their family members to talk about what they're doing. And um, if anyone's got any spare dough, we'd welcome some support. Uh, there's a, a fundraising site called Posible, P-O-Z-I-B-L-E, and you can look for the film Chrissy Massey on the Possible website, possible.com. It's an Australian crowdfunding uh, site, and we're very eager for donations to support this work. Um, I'm also producing a book 
Uh, we've been interviewing people, not only from Fiji, but also some of the, the Ikiribas people, the Gilbert Islanders, who were living uh, on the island at the time, and uh, we'll be publishing a book next year, um, which also records some of these people's history. Um, you know, it's really important that we record the stories of ordinary people, um, not the, the heroes who made the bomb, the British scientists who are often lauded in, in the official histories of, uh, of, of this, uh, this topic, but the, the lived experience of ordinary people who went along to do their job um, and are living with the health and environmental consequences of this imperial folly. As a final question, um, Nick, um, we know that uh, trade unions uh, um, are under lots of pressure in Fiji, but what about the, what's been the response of trade unions in New Zealand and Australia? Because as you've said, I mean, uh, there's a very clear links to that, to the occupational health and safety and occupational exposure. There's attempts to uh, try and rebuild solidarity across the region um, earlier this year in February, I attended the uh, regional meeting of SPOC2. That's the South Pacific and Oceanic Council of Trade Unions that brings together unionists from Australia, New Zealand and Pacific Island countries. Uh, there were representatives of uh, the Fijian trade unions there, including Felix Anthony, leader of the FTUC, the, uh, the umbrella body, one of the umbrella bodies for unions in Fiji. Um, they were talking about uh, both the... Uh, day-to-day -day challenges of organising um, in the workplace in Fiji at a time where there's enormous pressure on public sector workers like teachers, nurses and others uh, to preserve their jobs. At the same time, there are political constraints still in Fiji, um, decrees that limit, for example, trade unions to stand for parliament um, uh, and, and so on. So uh, there's a lot of attempts to try and uh, build and strengthen cooperation across international boundaries. And you see that in positive ways. For example, Pacific Island workers are coming to Australia as seasonal workers to do fruit picking and work in other areas under the uh, Australian Seasonal Worker Program. We've seen really positive links, say, between uh, unions in Australia and their counterparts in Vanuatu. Uh, there's a cross-union uh, agreement with the uh, Vanuatu National Workers Union so that there can be uh, proper education of workers who are travelling to Australia about their labour rights, about workplace conditions uh, and indeed about how to join a union and what benefits that can bring for people who come as temporary workers. And as we know, there's over 700,000 people as workers in Australia on temporary visas. 457 skilled workers, seasonal workers working in the horticulture sector, uh, lots of students working uh, um, 20 hours a week or more in 7-Elevens and taxi drivers and so on. And it's really important for the Australian labour movement to support their counterparts coming from the Pacific um, as fellow workers. Well, Nick, we, we certainly couldn't agree more with, uh, with those words. So um, thank you very much for appearing on, on the program. And... Uh, and for listeners who are interested in supporting um, the fundraising campaign for the documentary, Curiously uh, Marcy um, will advertise details of the Possible website on AAWL's website. Um, but for your information, Possible is spelled P-O-Z-I-B-L-E um, and do a search for the um, Curiously Marcy short film to locate that crowdfunding site. Nick, thank you so much for your time on the program today uh, and good luck with the rest of your fundraising efforts. Giselle, Pierre, thanks very much for the chance and uh, yeah, we'd encourage people, not just with the film but with other ways next year 
to remember the history of British uh, nuclear testing, both in Australia and in neighbouring Pacific countries. That was Nick McClellan, a stalwart activist of the Asia-Pacific region, one of the founders of Asia-Pacific Currents. As I said, we'll advertise those details on the show. It's 20, 28 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. Which base provides key information for every US drone strike, played a crucial role in Iraq and Afghanistan wars, as well as providing targeting and surveillance information for the Israeli Defence Force. Star Wars. The Empire Strikes Back. War is terrorism. It's the Pine Gap Joint Defence Facility, located just 20 kilometres from Alice Springs on Aranda Country, and this year marks 50 years of its inglorious existence. Come and join the closed Pine Gap protest near the gates of the base from September 26 to 30th. For all the details, head to closepinegap.org. Getting quick to book your early bird bus ticket from Melbourne for just $200 return. That's closepinegap.org. See you there. Close Pine Gap is a 3CR supporter. Is terrorism. It's uh, just on 28, getting close to 29 minutes past 9 o'clock and uh, we've really got uh, just about 30 seconds to go for a quick announcement before Palestine Remembered program. I just want to make uh, one comment and one announcement. Uh, as everyone would have known from the uh, mass media this week, um, there's been a lot of celebration in Australia about the long tan uh, 50th year anniversary um, and obviously a bit of rewriting history about the whole Vietnam War that uh, and about that, that, and we've totally forgotten that it was an imperialist um, war and the fact there was huge mass opposition to that war in Australia. But the interesting thing I want to comment about is not so much on, on that, that could possibly be a show a program in the future, is the fact there was another 50th anniversary this week and it's the Gurindji's strike. Um, and that was the walkout by um, workers, Aboriginal workers at the uh, Vesti um, pastoral lease. And it really um, was a seminal event in the struggle for Aboriginal self-determination and um, rights for, for workers, especially Aboriginal pastoral workers there. So it's, uh, it's very important to remember and um, we'll put it on the on our news site. And Giselle said, "I better hurry up." And um, the announcement is: Don't forget next Saturday, uh, the next big refugee rally, uh, Saturday, twenty seventh of August, one pm at the State Library. That's all I've I've got from myself, Pierre Morrow, and Giselle Hannah. You've been listening to a three CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station three CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.